0: He could not keep up because of that and some frustration he had very significant behavioral outbursts at school where they had to clear the classroom he was throwing desks screaming which was not part of his normal personality at
1: all this is the podcast for hopes the Huntington's outreach project for education at Stanford in each episode We share stories that shed light on the history and current issues in Huntington's research. I'm Sammy Potter. Kids. They're the most joyful beings in the world, full of blissful glee, giggles, (laughs) curiosity. And while we usually think of Huntington's disease as a disorder that develops in middle age, it's the unfortunate reality that for some with HD in their family genes, they can begin to experience symptoms as early as childhood, or as it's formerly called, juvenile Huntington's disease. Juvenile Huntington's disease, or JHD for short, makes up about 5 to 10 percent of all Huntington's disease cases.
0: rare
2: disease within a rare disease.
1: That's Jennifer Simpson, Senior Manager of Advocacy and Youth Programs at the Huntington's Disease Society of America, otherwise known as HDSA. So how can we make sense of this? A neurodegenerative disease that has such an intense impact on children. First up, what is JHD?
2: Anyone who develops symptoms before the age of 21 and is diagnosed before 21 would be considered juvenile onset.
1: As Jennifer said, JHD is distinct from adult onset HD in its age of onset. But there are other differences too. Broadly speaking, JHD is an accelerated, more intense variation of its adult counterpart.
2: It can sometimes feel... Almost like a different
1: disease. Like adult onset HD, JHD is caused by an abnormally large number of CAG repeats in the Huntington gene. CAG stands for cytosine, guanine, and thymine, three of the main bases found in DNA. For reference, the average number of CAG repeats in a regular person who is not at all affected by Huntington's disease is around 17. Most HD patients have 40 or more repeats. In general, researchers have found that a higher number of CAG repeats above 40 has been associated with an earlier onset of HD. Most JHD patients have 60 or more repeats. Because of this, their symptoms can seem even more pronounced than many HD cases. Or as Jennifer told me,
2: For those who develop symptoms very young, the
1: disease course tends to be quite short. The disease course tends to be quite short. JHD patients typically survive 10 to 15 years after symptoms begin, as opposed to adult onset HD patients who usually survive 15 to 20 years after symptoms begin. But it can be more or less depending on the severity of the patient's symptoms. The most common symptoms of JHD are the same as adult onset HD decrease in cognitive abilities, personality changes, impaired coordination. But unique to JHD is that many patients experience seizures bodily rigidness rather than chorea, plus the additional stress and frustration that comes with diagnosis at such a young age. And because JHD patients are diagnosed so young, the responsibility of caretaking often falls on their parents. It's
2: really, really hard. I mean, there's no kind of way to sugarcoat that. Parenting a child impacted by juvenile Huntington's disease is extremely difficult and heartbreaking and frustrating in so many ways because, you know, we think of HD as a disease that has lack of resources. Well, multiply that for folks with juvenile Huntington's disease.
1: By lack of resources, Jennifer is referring to the relatively small amount of research, awareness, and healthcare options for families affected by Huntington's disease. More on that later.
2: It's hard, and then it's ten times harder because he's got this rare form of a rare disease.
1: Meet Jody from South Dakota.
0: My name is Jody Neiman Priest, and my son Wyatt Neiman, he has juvenile Huntington's disease. He is 16. He was diagnosed when he was 13, so
1: almost four years ago. Like the majority of JHD patients, Wyatt inherited the disease from his father.
0: His Biological father passed away. He actually committed suicide, and so he was not ever tested. But once we were looking back at his behaviors, we realized that is where Wyatt did inherit the gene for JHD. He passed away when he was 36, and Wyatt was only five.
1: For seven or so years, nobody attributed Wyatt's father's death to HD. But when Wyatt himself started exhibiting some clear behavioral changes, Jody began asking questions.
0: He was always clumsy, but he is a very intelligent, gregarious kid, and he got by with everything else. So um, it didn't really cause him any significant problems in school until he was about in sixth grade.
1: Jody told me that sixth grade was the tipping point. It was the year that school started to speed up and speed by Wyatt.
0: He could not keep up. Because of that and some frustration, he had very Significant behavioral outbursts at school where they had to clear the classroom, he was throwing desks, screaming, which was not part of his normal personality
1: at all. Early teen years, especially puberty, can be particularly challenging for children with JHD. Natural changes at this age increase children's need for independence, and juvenile Huntington's disease hinders their ability to control these desires.
0: All of those things started to happen, and we did not know what was going on because the behavior changes were quite severe.
1: Having an inkling that these changes could be the result of a neurological disorder, Jody took Wyatt in to get an MRI. Very quickly, the radiologists reached a consensus that Wyatt had Huntington's disease. But Jody wanted to be 110% sure.
0: I had to know what was going on. I had to have that genetic test just to be sure what was going on and be able to piece things together.
1: As we discussed earlier, Any CAG repeat number above 40 would be cause for concern of HD. And anything above 60 at this age would mean a juvenile Huntington's disease diagnosis.
0: He has a CAG repeat, a high one of 82. So he's fairly affected.
1: In our heart, we knew. But just hearing that from the genetic counselor is really a tough thing. Genetic counselors provide personalized advice for patients as they make decisions about their genetic health. And after deciding to consult with a genetic counselor, Jody felt she had finally reached clarity on what was causing changes in Wyatt's behavior. In other words, Wyatt was diagnosed with a relatively severe case of juvenile Huntington's disease. As is common for parents in Jody's position, she felt the weight of the world pushing down on her.
0: It was so. Real. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a feeling. It was real.
1: It was right there like, we can't
0: avoid this. We can't not think about this. It took a while before we could even tell people, honestly. I couldn't even speak the word Huntington's disease. I couldn't even say it because it was just too real. Like, I could not do it.
1: And because JHD is so rare, there's not exactly a step by step manual telling parents exactly how to handle it. How
0: do we do it? The nuts and bolts, all of the things were just there, and you don't know how. <laughs> and so and that's the scary part is no one can tell you. People can give you hints. It's just like any neuro- neurological disorder. There's no roadmap. Knowing that you're not going to be able to know and having to try and figure things out, is, that's a tough thing to look at it as your child's future.
1: There's a saying in the HD community, quote, if you've met one person with HD, you've met one person with HD, end quote. Depending on the patient, the disease can manifest in so many different ways. This is also the case when it comes to juvenile HD, with sometimes very large changes occurring very quickly.
2: Your child will change, their symptoms will change, their needs will change.
1: That's Jennifer Simpson again from HDSA.
2: One of the biggest things is knowing your child, their symptomology, knowing kind of what works and doesn't work for them, because every child is also going to be
0: different.
1: Jody knows this all too well when it comes to Wyatt.
0: When he was first diagnosed, he could still walk on his own. He no longer walks on his own. He has his own wheelchair now. His speech has gotten a lot worse. It's very, very slurred. He used to be able to feed himself with some special equipment. Now he has to be totally fed. He used to be able to get up and go to the bathroom at night on his own and now he can't. We have to get up with him and actually take him to the bathroom. We have to do almost everything for him now, and he was fairly independent. In just almost four years, he can't do any of those things anymore. Why it changes all the time, and he'll change, and then he'll get a little bit better, and then he might change, and we're not sure if that changes our new normal and what we're supposed to do. So it is a constant juggling act.
1: One of the most difficult realities to grapple with as a caretaker of a JHD patient is that nobody else around you is dealing with the same thing as you. In her role working with families affected by JHD, Jennifer sees this very often.
2: You go into a community and you'll probably be able to find families who are impacted by things like autism, cancer, all these other things, but you might be the only person within a 500-mile radius who's impacted by juvenile Huntington's disease.
1: But with a disease that can be as unpredictable and overwhelming as juvenile Huntington's disease, finding community isn't a luxury. It's a necessity. Even though folks around you might not know exactly what raising a child with HD is like, lots of support does exist.
0: We have a a very good local support group here in South Dakota. So I reached out to them. And we went to a lot of meetings at first. It was a lifeline. We would have not known where to go, what resources, anything without those people that had walked it before us. And so that was definitely invaluable. And just being there in person and just seeing the other people that are there to support you is so important
2: find another community of parents who understand this battle. Finding a community online is also really important. Utilizing support groups, utilizing any kind of community building and support building networks that you have.
1: The local school and their local support group are two groups that have really shown up to help Wyatt. Our school system
0: has been great on adapting things for Wyatt. So he still goes to school full-time. He has a full-time paraprofessional with him all day long. So he loves school. What the support group, has been able to do is they have the genetic counselor as part of the support group and a social worker, and they come both to Wyatt's middle school and high school and gave a presentation to the teachers. And that was invaluable.
1: Jody and the school work together to create an Individual Education Plan, or IEP, that works for Wyatt and allows him to have as normal of a teenage experience as possible.
0: He actually plays in the band. He plays the tambourine, and so he can still hold on to the tambourine. And when I'm with him, kids will stop, kids that I don't know, so he doesn't know them through our family, will stop and say, nice job, Wyatt, way to play the tambourine. And the kids have just been so great with him and just encouraging him to do that. So he is very involved in school, and he really, really enjoys being in a regular band class.
1: On a national level, Jennifer and HDSA run programs each year to bring together a global network of folks dealing with JHD.
2: Every year at convention we'll have young people who are impacted by JHD as well as their parents and give them an opportunity to meet other kids like them and take part in creative therapy-based workshops, science and research workshops that are tailored to younger people.
1: Juvenile Huntington's disease is an incredibly rare disease That often takes caretakers and patients by surprise and forces them to become problem solvers and creative thinkers just to live everyday life. And the only thing possibly more improbable than being thrown into that situation is the courageous and superhuman-like way in which patients and caretakers respond.
0: It's changed everything. It's changed our outlook. I'm remarried. Wyatt has a wonderful stepdad and two stepbrothers, and so he's part of a regular, regular family. But it's changed everything because everything kind of revolves around how long it takes Wyatt to do something. I've become such an advocate, and I think I always will be. And that was never my role as a as a parent, as to be such a strong advocate for so many things that would make Wyatt's life easier. Thus anybody with a disability easier we just are always trying to problem solve and one way it's exciting and another way it's extremely exhausting
1: as much as jody wyatt jennifer and others in the jhd community go to every length possible to make the best out of a difficult situation for the time being jhd isn't going anywhere hd funding overall has been marginally higher in recent years but jhd has gotten hardly any special attention from researchers working on a cure.
0: Everyone's like, look at all these clinical trials, this is great. I'm like, it is great. They're for adults. There isn't an opportunity for why to even Mm. try any of those things. So that's terrible. (laughs) Clinical trials for kids, even though they're under 18, they need to be in these clinical trials. They need an opportunity.
1: Clinical trials for minors is a whole other topic that warrants its own discussion. But the point here. Is that for JHD? There's currently not an end in sight. It's no surprise then that when I asked Jody and Jennifer what their biggest wish for the JHD community was, they had the same answer:
2: a cure. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, anything that can stop or slow the progression of the disease that allows them to have their children to have a more fuller childhood experience, a fuller life. Yeah, a cure. That's what I would wish for.
0: Getting rid of this disease and, uh, and alleviating the symptoms is so so huge as a parent you want nothing more than to help him with that
1: this podcast features jennifer simpson of hdsa and jody neiman mother of wyatt a tambourine player and jhd patient for more information on the huntington's disease society of america visit hdsa.org i'd like to thank the hopes fund and stanford for their support thank you to professor katherine heaney and the hopes team for their guidance And to my fellow podcast producer, Kat Ferguson. If there's anything related to HD that you are interested in hearing about on the podcast, let us know in the reviews. I'm Sammy Potter.